Welcome to Story Story Night, where you hear true stories on a theme recorded live in Boise, Idaho. I'm your host, Jody Eichelberger. On this podcast, we go on some story dates in our version of Love Connection with special guest photographer Angie Smith. A year ago, Angie began a project focusing on love stories during COVID-19, combining photography and interviews. As part of our season, Be In The Game, we are joining Angie Love Connection style to meet some of the people from her project. It's game time and it's story time. Tell us about 19 Love Stories. Uh, when did this project come to your mind and, and how did you come up with, come up with doing it? So I started 19 Love Stories about a year ago, right in the beginning of the pandemic. Um, it was the pretty much the first month of the pandemic, and I got sick. I don't think I had COVID, but nevertheless, I quarantined for two weeks. And during that time, I all I could really do was spend time on the computer, and I was watching people posting within Boise on different Facebook groups. There's a various mutual aid groups that I was watching and I was noticing all of these posts that people were making that either needed help or resources or food or people that had food or resources to give people in need uh, were posting in these mutual aid groups. So by watching them, I just started to notice all of these amazing things that people were doing for one another, whether it be strangers or neighbors or friends or family. And I was really inspired by it. And I, I realized that I wanted to start a new project that really told these stories of giving that were behind these posts. And I wanted to tell the more full and complete story and create a original portrait for each person and meet them where they were at, whether they were living in a hotel or um, had to move out of their apartment. Um, there were just so many people dealing with a lot of unexpected situations, but I wanted to create a project for the community of Boise that would take a deeper dive into the ways that the community was showing up for one another. Let's go ahead and meet our first contestant uh, joining us for a date with Angie. Uh, we have another video introducing this speaker. We'll see if this one cues up. Here it comes. This is Rebecca Evans. And uh, she actually told us our age. We don't, uh, of course, normally ask that. She's a writer, poet, teacher, and mom. Her, her dating status is some days she can't remember. I know I've been... Uh, well, I didn't get finished reading it before it went away. I can't read as fast as I can type, apparently. But she's actually in the studio with us right now. Let's welcome to our stage Rebecca Evans. Come join me up here in our Love Connection set. Hi, Rebecca. Hello. Now, Rebecca, this is not your first time at Story Story Night because she was part of a Slammer of the Year show, which happened at the Boise Depot. Uh, she told a slam and then was picked for being one of the best stories of the year and came out and we had a, a fun time that. So it's fun to have you back. Thank you. I love Story Story Night, Story Story Studio and just sharing stories. So I think it's an amazing ability to connect with each other and, you know, learn a lot about each other. So I love it. Uh, awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah. Very well, brave of you. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was Angie oh, because she requested you, to have a date with you. So, so Angie, <laughs> how do you know, how do you do contact Rebecca for tonight's show? 
Well, I met Rebecca back in 2015 because she featured me on her television show called Our Voice at the time. And we, we hit it off and had a wonderful conversation. And I just kept her number and kept her information and just reached out periodically for different different things that I thought would interest her. And then as soon as I, I was on the hunt for an amazing love story for this for 19 love stories and this presentation, I just, I wanted to reach out to her and see if, if she knew of anyone or perhaps had a love story herself. And she uh, did. The pressure's on. You're pressure's like an on. actual TV personality. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just posing tonight. <laughs> no, I just pretend to be one on TV. A I TV guess personality. I guess yeah. that's what we all, we're all just pretending. Right, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how long ago was the show, Our Voices? So our... Oh, right. go ahead, Angie. Well, we met in 2015, <laughs> but you have the show for many years, right? Right. I did a fitness show here in Idaho for about eight years on KTVB. And then I hosted uh, our um, Idaho Living for a couple years on CBS and then Our Voice for a couple years again on KTVB. So I bounced around a little bit, mostly hosting and torturing people it was awesome yeah. <laughs> I sort of enjoy torturing people yeah. too all right well we're not going to be tortured tonight because I know you have a wonderful story to share with us about your love connection my love connection yeah yes. so why don't you just go ahead and head up to the mic and okay and let us learn gonna, about your love I'm gonna toss my mask aside so I can use my hands I use my hands when I talk so Love stories. First of all, I'm so excited to be here. And I think of love stories and there are so many ways people love, right? There's romantic love and there's parental love, sibling love, your neighbor love. You can love a project, right? I'm going to talk about crazy Jewish love, which you might not know about. So I'll start here. I taught my sons to pee standing up. <laughs> We'll just leave that for a minute and I'll give you the image, okay? So I have my one-year-old strapped into a bouncy seat and my, I have my two sons who seem like twins, but they're not. I have an older son who's disabled and he's toddler-like at the time. And then his middle brother, his younger brother, who's my middle son, Preston, who's a toddler. And I'm trying to teach them to aim for the toilet, right? Just aim for something, really, at that age. And I'm tossing in Fruit Loops and I'm telling... Um, my, my oldest son, aim for the green ones. And I'm telling my middle son, go ahead and aim for the orange ones. And I'm kind of backing out of the bathroom. And I'm doing this because I'm a single mom. And I take my job seriously. And I want to make sure that I'm raising these boys into men. And them crossing swords and aiming for the toilet felt like an important thing for me to teach them. A few years later, I'll teach them how to shave their face, which Again, I don't know how to do this, and I didn't know how to pee standing up, just for the record. But I gather their little hands, I fill them up with shaving cream, and we load up our face, and I'm telling them, go ahead, pull your skin, pull it gently. And I had to Google search how to shave a face, right? But again, I'm taking my job seriously. I want them to learn. I want them to feel like they have a chance at being good men, right? So my middle son continues to grow. He surpasses his older brother in a lot of capability and life skill arenas, and he's the first one to learn to drive. Now, I look at teaching your son to drive. It's not just an anxious-filled event, but it's an opportunity because you have this child alone 
in the car and their undivided attention. So I thought of it as my parental office and I would bring props. This is a great opportunity to teach him all kinds of life skills. So we'd pull in as he's driving along and I'd have some prop with me, something that I felt important to teach him in this captured moment. One time, for example, we pull up to a stoplight and I take out a banana and a condom. And I'm like, listen, we're gonna learn about safe sex, right? I think people in STAR, as we pulled up to that same stoplight over and over, got used to seeing us and they didn't know what to expect from me. And my son is still in therapy to this day from uh, some of my parental advice during that time. But something happened in that year. He was about 14 or 15, trying to get his driver's license. And most kids at that time are also trying to find their autonomy. And I call it the season of hating, where they flip a switch and they suddenly just hate their parents and they hate most people in authority. So I was no different. I was the target of a lot of anger. And of course, this was heartbreaking for me as a mom, as a Jewish mom, trying to connect with him. And he is just full of anger. And we are fighting. We're fighting about everything. You know, he wants to stay out as late as he can. He thinks good grades are stupid, along with any meal is stupid. And getting a good night's sleep is even dumber. And we're just fighting and fighting and fighting. One morning, we're driving to school. He's driving. It's inclement weather, so it's raining outside. The roads are slippery. And the other two children are in the back of the car. And he's going to me too fast. He's actually going the speed limit, but he's going too fast for inclement weather. And I keep telling him, slow down, slow down. And we're in this fight in the car and he's telling me, you know, he's going the speed limit. This is how I drive. He's imitating me. I mean, if you're a parent, you've heard these stories, the hating season. And I'm thinking in my mind, I have to do something because I want to get his attention. So when we get to the intersection of Highway 16 and Floating Feather Road, I yank on the emergency brake. So the car comes to a halt and I get out of the car and I stomp around in the rain and I open his door and I say, I'm driving, move over. Now in the moment, I really thought he was gonna drive off and just leave me standing there in the rain, but he didn't do that. And in that moment, I thought, surely he'll get out of the car and walk. He was just that angry because he screamed, you're psycho. Actually, he screamed something worse than that, but I don't <laughs> think I should say it on TV. Um, but he was, he was so angry and I just wanted in that moment, like for him to trust me, like maybe I know something, I have his best interest and we're struggling. He scoots over, I drive the boys to school and on my way home, I'm thinking, you know, this is the journey, boys to men, boys to men and this boy, I mean, he has been my boy. He's been the leader in my little group, in my tribe and it's breaking my heart. This boy, he stood in line with me at food banks when we had nothing. This boy, he saw his father beat me before I could leave that marriage. And this boy has kept me going. This boy I fought for, I would die for, and I am dying inside because he's so angry with me. And it feels like it's lasting forever. We continue to fight. We have a few choice words. And there is one point where he tells me, you have no idea what I'm going through. You know, mom, my friend took his life. And there's a pause. And not even a month later, he has another friend who dies at an intersection right in front of his school. And then he has his first girlfriend and they're breaking up and they're dysfunctionally making up and then they're breaking up and dysfunctionally something else over and over again. And I realize my boy isn't really hating, he's hurting. 
and I was hurting for his loss, but really now I'm hurting more for the loss of him and his losses, the loss of everything. And I'm feeling this and I don't know how to reach him. I just know he's suffering. So I come up with this plan. I don't know what else to do, but I'm a writer. So I think this is what I'm going to do. I show up with a journal in his room and I said, listen, you can say anything you want to me in this journal. Ask me anything and we won't talk about it. We won't even speak about it. You can leave it in my room, in my nightstand, someplace secret. And I've already written some stuff in here for you. Tell me where I can leave it in your room. And he kind of points and grunts. So there's communication. <laughs> the door is open. And I'm excited. I leave the journal. And off I go. And we spend a few months back and forth with this journal, back and forth. And there are some harsh things, things that brought me to my knees, things that made me cry and kept me up, questions he asked that I had a tough time answering, but I promised myself I would answer he asked me, you know, things like, did you ever consider taking your life? Try writing that answer in a journal to your son, and you know he's struggling. We got through it, and a few months later, we find ourselves face-to-face. -face. We're sitting at a diner, just me and him, which rarely was happening at the time, and he starts unpacking some of his stuff. He starts sharing with me. He felt like he was responsible somehow for his friend's death. He felt helpless and hopeless, and he's struggling with this relationship that is on its final breakup. Thank God they're not together anymore. He has a new girlfriend who's great, but he'd been struggling, and he looks at me and he says, do you have any relationship advice? And of course, I start laughing because I've been single 10 years, and I'm like, not my wheelhouse. I really don't have anything for you here, but I'm so glad he's asking me, me, for advice about something. And we continue on. He eventually becomes an aide for his disabled brother, who is now a disabled adult. And I hear him in the other room, and he's teaching Zach. He's teaching Zach, or reteaching Zach, how to shave his face. And I hear him say, pull, pull your skin, make it smooth. You got this, buddy. And I'm like, okay, he's doing it. He's growing into this good man, this kind man. And he's kind to his girlfriend. And we celebrate holidays, like for Valentine's Day, this year, he laid out yellow flowers, daisies, and a card that had all his brother's signatures. And I woke up in the morning and I was just like, oh, what a good kid. This is so wonderful. Of course, his little brother gave it away later when he said, I never signed that card. So then I find out he forged their signatures, what I'm a little concerned about, but it was still a sweet gesture. At one point, he tells me, I don't believe in God, mom. I'm done. Like, I lost hope. It's not a thing for me. I know you love celebrating our family traditions. We have a lot of traditions as a Jewish family. And I'll sit, I'll join in, but I'm not invested. And I tell him, you know, I don't blame you, Preston. It's okay. It's okay. And we have a conversation, and it's shortly after he completely rearranges his schedule. And he sits down at Shabbos dinner, which is every Friday. And he sits down with a smile and he holds my hand, and he says a blessing. And I know he doesn't mean it, but he knows it means something to me. And that's the kind of love we get to share. Thank you. Uh, who is your next date with, though, tonight? Who will, we, who will we meet next? We are next meeting Michelle and Javier Andrade. 
and they are the famous owners of Andrade's Mexican restaurant on Overland. And I met them right in the beginning of 19 Love Stories. They were one of my first interviews um, because they had really stepped up from the very beginning to start helping the community in a multitude of ways. But um, the, the way that I first heard about was that they were giving free meals to free, free lunches, but probably any meal if someone stopped, stopped by the restaurant and needed to eat. They would feed them, no questions asked. Um, and I actually had known, uh, have a family connection to Michelle and Javier. So I'd, I'd known of them, but I'd never actually met them in person. So it was really special to meet them in person for the first time under these circumstances to honor the, the way that they were giving back to the community. And I got to meet them in person tonight because they're here in the studio with us. Welcome to our stage, Michelle and Javier. One thing that's a little different about our format tonight, normally we, you know, as the other storytellers have done, they go and take it away at the mic and we kind of just let them run with it. Uh, but tonight, with this 19 love stories and love connection, we're actually going to do this next segment as kind of like we as the Story Story Night community get to go on a date with Angie and this couple. I guess you're a, what is that phrase? A thruple. Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. It sounds fun. So Angie and, um, and the Andrades are going to take us on a little story date together right now. So go ahead, Angie. Great. Well, thank you again for joining us. And I would love to start with um, Michelle and Javier. Uh, tell me about the moment you realized that you needed to start giving out meals to people in the beginning of the pandemic. What Was there a moment that first inspired you or how did you know that that was the next step you needed to take? Well, uh, first of all, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, thank you, Angie. Well, uh, the beginning started really uh, 19, almost 20 years ago when I opened Andrade's. Uh, it's more noticeable right now People know a little more about Andrades, and then we are in a need. That's why uh, more people realize that we helping a little bit. Uh, but uh, uh, since I opened the restaurant 2001, um, right two months after September 11, one month was really difficult time too. And then, uh, and then I always, I always uh, been feeding people in a need. So uh, this is just a continuation. People know now a uh, little more and, and the voice is around. So there is more people uh, that was in a trouble, losing the job. And then uh, it's just a continuation of love. Is it? Yes, giving Boise uh, what Boise gave me many years ago. Boise gave me the opportunity to establish here to make my life here, to find my love here, to have my family, and then uh, I guess it's a way to give back a little bit. And I think you told me in our first interview that you had come to Boise as a young man and you you loved it. And did you tell, was it that you told yourself you would live here one day? Well, it was a, a, a long time ago, 1977. When I came to Boise, and then uh, of course Boise was so different. 
and then uh, and then uh, I I went back. Uh, I went back to my country. I say if one day I want to live in one place out of my country, it's going to be Boise. Uh, in the 19, early 1990s, uh, uh, we have a big recession down in, in my town. I have a restaurant too. I opened my first restaurant when I was 19 years old. And then I was over there waiting for somebody to come and buy something. And I said, well, I'm never going to do anything right here. So, so it's time to move on. And I remember Boise. So I said, well, I know how to cook. I know how to manage a restaurant. I'm going to go over there and ask for a job. I knock a lot of doors and I can't find a job. Mm -hmm. uh, finally, uh, I got a job as a dishwasher, no as a manager, no as a owner, as a dishwasher. And then, uh, and I love it. I love it because it was an opportunity to start over again. And uh, that was uh, 1993. And I worked hard since then. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, love it here. And the, was the way to Andrade's come together. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And Michelle, uh, was there, or have there been any moments or interactions that you had in the last year with either a customer or an employee that really moved you or made you realize how how your the impact of how you were giving back to people affected their lives um yeah i've had a lot of opportunity to really talk to people i remember one mom when we um, moved to a drive-through at the old restaurant um, coming through the window and she couldn't even speak through her tears um, because she was having such a hard time and her children in the back seat and she just looked up and and smiled and and silently said you know the words thank you and um, I've had a lot of those, even tonight, um, while at the restaurant before coming here, I spoke with a man who um, told me that they were in a bad situation and him and his wife were, had heard that we were giving away meals and wanted to know if, if they could um, have dinner with us. And he said, I get paid in two days, I can come back and pay. And I said, no, I, you know, we're here to help you and, and, and we're happy to do it. And uh, just the gratitude that everyone expresses on a daily basis. Um, a few minutes after I took that phone call, I had a woman come in and buy a gift certificate and just thank us for what we're doing. And and you get to experience the joy of giving to others, and then you get to share that with the community because you know they've given us um, a lot uh, to be able to continue to to give and to donate to people, and they experience that joy of giving as well. And. What if you both or either who either one of you wants to answer the question, but what do you feel like you've learned about love this year? Uh, well, I, I learned about love every day. Uh, having a restaurant that gives you the opportunity to talk with so many people. Uh, living, living with a great person like I'm have here <laughs> is an opportunity to know that love exists. And, uh, and then uh, um, uh, and, the and the restaurant, people show, show up all the time. Michi, yes, yes, say it. Uh, people, somebody came today and say, thank you for what you do. We do that all the time, all the time. So, uh, and, and, and this is not a, I'm, um, we are doing, giving anything. Uh, people help us. 
is voice giving. Yeah. That's, that's why it's easy to give because when, when people realize that you are helping another one, is somebody go to come and say, hey, I want to help you to help. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it's a chain of love. We just write a, a part of that chain that uh, prepare the food and serve it to the people. So beautiful. Um, and what, as you think ahead, what do you, what gives you hope? What gives you inspiration for where, where we're going as a community, where we're going as a city, um, your new restaurant, your family? Yeah. Well, it's, every day is a new day. Uh, and today is, is the best second chance that we have to do something better. Uh, and then uh, uh, it's been a tough year. Uh, I, I'm being hit by COVID a couple of times. Uh, it was tough. I'm being hit uh, because I saw sad people, because I saw people to come and my restaurant and then uh, they embarrassed to ask and then go over there in the corner and say can I talk with you and then uh, uh, and then uh, usually it's people that need to ask for help and I lose my mom I lose my dad both this year um, <clears throat> and then uh, and uh, I have a hope I wake up every day we wake up every day and then we go and open our door and are waiting for somebody to show up and share the needs that they have or the love that they have with us and we give wherever we can. I like to give hugs. There's no weight now. So I, I don't do that, but I give him a food. Yeah. It's so beautiful to hear Thank you so much for joining us and sharing the story of your restaurant and, and the adventure and the journey that you've been on for the last year. As a community, we're deeply grateful for what you've, what you've helped inspire in people. Well, no, thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to, to uh, show what we do. And uh, there's this my real inspiration right here. Mm. Uh, <laughs> my, if you want to talk about love, next time invite me and I can talk to you a lot about love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much for being part of Story well, Story well, Night tonight. Thank you. My thank pleasure. You. Angie, uh, wow, what some amazing people you met, some amazing dates you've been on over the course of this partnership between 19 Love Stories and Story Story Night. Uh, just really quickly, tell us how people can, like, what's, where is 19 Love Stories going? How can people participate? Um, so 19 Love Stories is on Instagram and it's on Facebook. And I also have a Patreon account. Thank you for listening. Story Story Night is funded in part by the Idaho Commission on the Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you to our media sponsor, Radio Boise. Podcast production by Stephen Baldessari. Support this podcast by texting STORYPOD to 44321. Find out how to participate in our live show at storystorynight.org or visit us on Facebook. I'm Jody Eichelberger. 
Thanks for being a part of our story.